Hi everyone, Sarah here with episode number 29 of She's Unstoppable, and on this episode I am chatting with Karen Young of We The People. We is a forward-thinking company that produces luxury shave products, and so you're going to hear in this episode how she got started initially, really from a place of struggle with razor burn, ingrown hairs, and how that struggle really pushed her to find a solution that turned into a business, which is always just one of my favorite things to hear because I feel like so many businesses are created and born from just that, a personal struggle where that entrepreneur is, you know, entrepreneurial thinking, of course, and knows that there's a solution out there and they're going to set out to find it, which is exactly what Karen did. So you're going to hear all about how she took that idea, took the struggle and really turned it into a, like brought a physical product to life. She shares a lot about the importance of staying in your own lane when you're building a business and a brand and not worrying about what everybody else is doing and not chasing shiny objects, which is such an important lesson that so many of you need to hear and understand. As well, we really dive into the struggles, or I should say the complications of having a luxury product in a market that can actually be really competitive. You know, Karen's products are all luxury based, right? They're luxury priced, but they also come with luxury value, which we go into. And, you know, I know that that's something that a lot of people that I talk to struggle with really wanting to own their pricing and, you know, why my product costs this and why it's not the same as the thing that costs 10 times less. And so we dive into that conversation conversation, which again is something that I think that so many of you need to hear as entrepreneurs so that you can really own your pricing. And so yeah, I hope you enjoy, dive in, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, we are here with Karen Young of We The People. So I have to tell you, it was a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe two months ago at this point, but I was on Instagram, Facebook, one of the one or the other, and mm-hmm. I saw this really pretty rose gold razor being promoted in my news feed. And I am somebody who embarrassingly or not embarrassingly, but it's not the, you know, the most attractive thing to talk about. I have struggled with razor burn and ingrown hairs, like for as long as I can remember. And here we have this, you know, luxury razor that I see that is promoting, you know, no ingrown hairs, all those kind of things. And I'm like, shut up and take my money. Like happy to dive in. Happy to, happy to pay whoever. And I have to tell you, I love this razor. Um, it really is. It truly is wonderful. And so, you know, just wanted to, I'm like, Hey, this is cool. I'm going to reach out to Karen. And so that's what I did. Um, so here we are. And so I want to talk to Karen about everything from how she started this company. She just did a rebrand and I want to share all of that with you. Um, so Karen, thank you so much for being here. Super excited to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm so, so, so excited to hear that you, you know, obviously you tried the razor as a customer first. That's the best testimonial we can ask for. Like if you tried it and then you still want to talk to us, that's amazing. (laughs) Absolutely. Exactly. I tried it and she's here. So it's the perfect balance. So talk to me, share with me a little bit about where this all came from. Like, let's go back to the beginning. Where was this company born? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the company was really born um, initially from my extreme frustration with shaving. Um, I'm talking like similar to you, like full on ingrown hairs, razor burn, you name it. Um, And I really had resigned myself to thinking that that was the experience that I was supposed to have. I was like, well, darn you, you want to like remove your body here. This is what, this is how you pay for it, you know, with like being covered in in irritation and inflammation. Um, And I was sitting at work one day and I just kind of like saw all these men's razor brands and I was just like, these products are not talking to me at all. And something just clicked. And 
you know, I was like, I remember when I was young, I saw my uncles, you know, were like shaving with these safety razors. Um, and it stuck in my head to the point where like, anytime I had to buy a gift for, you know, a guy in, in my life, like brothers, uncles, whatever, I usually went to a store like the Art of Shaving or something, and I would get them something really, really beautiful. Um, and here I was like, immediately thinking to like, buy these sort of ritual products for men. And I was reaching for like a janky, you know, plastic razor that was like gathering rust and mold in the corner of my shower and having a bad experience with it to boot. And so it just didn't kind of, it didn't, you know, sort of paying in it for an inexpensive product didn't necessarily like outweigh, you know, anything else for me. It wasn't like, oh, it's fine and it's inexpensive. It was like, it's, it's shitty. It's just a really, excuse my language, it's just a really bad product overall. <laughs> bring on, bring on the language. Totally fine. <laughs> And um, so I really thought about like, well, what, is, what does that look like? And, and kind of who said that women don't use this? You know what I mean? Or who said that they can't? Like, how did that language start? And so I did some research and I found that in the 50s, actually women were shaving with safety razors. Um, and there were like these little sort of diminutive razors that were actually made for them, but it's the first razor that women were using to shave. And I said, well, I don't know why that, stopped i ended up finding out why it stopped but you know initially i was just like well if they could do it then then i don't see why i couldn't do it now and so i ordered one tested it and i was just like you've got to be kidding me right now like i could not believe the experience and the difference in my skin um and from there i was like okay I'm not just gonna assume that like I can go out and build a razor company because there there's a reason there are like so few of them in the world, you know, it's very, very difficult to do. But what I knew that I could do was start talking to other women. Um, and I knew that I could, you know, start asking about other people's experience and see if I was the only person living with this like irritation and just really hating the process of shaving with multi-blade razors. And uh, it turns out I was not. You certainly are not. Share with everybody. I could try, but I'm sure you're going to do a better job at it. Can we explain to everyone? I'll include obviously pictures like, you know, where we, where we share this, but can you share with them what a safety razor is? Like, yeah. what is it? What does that mean? Yeah. So a safety razor is a metal razor. It's a solid metal razor and it comes in a couple of styles. Um, there's one called the three-piece, classic three-piece razor, and it basically has a head that's in two parts. And in between that head, you think of it like a, like you're making a sandwich. There's the top you know, layer, there's the bottom layer, and you put the meat and the cheese or whatever in between. In this case, the meat or the cheese is the blade. <laughs> and you put that in between the head, sandwich it, you attach the screw um, to it, the hand, you, you screw the handle onto it, and it sort of compresses the the razor um, and it has this bar uh, that actually keeps the razor away from your skin. That's called a safety bar and that's where the name safety razor came from. Um, it can also be referred to as a single blade razor, um, meaning it just uses one single blade. Um, yeah, there, uh, there's like one or other iteration, but we don't use that one because it's a little bit harder. It takes a little bit more skill level to, um, to figure out how to use. So we use your classic three-piece safety razor. Yeah, it was definitely something 
you know, not terribly challenging, but it's different, right? It's, it's something, you know, I'm used to opening it up, getting ready to go. And like, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like you, perfect example. Like it's like a sandwich, like the razor, the blade in the middle is the, is the uh, meat and cheese there. So I think I'm curious, like that feel, I think women entrepreneurs, right? Birthing a business, whoever you are, is so scary. And it's so, it can be so emotional and it's so easy to like doubt yourself. And so here you are with this a idea that people aren't used to and b in this industry where there are tons of big competitors. So I want to just hear about like the guts that you had to like, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I never know quite, you know, if it's, if it's guts or if it's just out of our absolute minds, um, <laughs> or, or both. Or both, both. I think it does take a little bit of both. Um, you know what? I I I heard the founder of um, Drunk Elephant say this on a podcast um, recently, and she said, "We just stay in our lane," and that's exactly how I saw this process, and that's exactly how I, I sort of still see what we do. Um, and what that means for us is. I'm super, super, super focused on um, our customers, on that experience and making sure that we are um, doing right by them and that we are designing um, everything, you know, based on our customer feedback and what they actually need from us. Um, and so that's the way that I kind of like see staying in our lane. You know, I think, I, I, uh, I think some, Sometimes when you think like, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you're like, I have this idea and I think it might be really amazing. I'm going to go for it. Sometimes we end up saying like, oh, you know, um, I worry that like someone's going to steal it or whatever. There's absolutely nothing we can do to protect that. And so I just think about all the components that it goes into, that goes into making not even just the full business a success, but like, let's just start small. What goes into making the product a success, you know? Our product is made with engineers. Our product is made using a factory that has been doing this for over a hundred years. And then when we think about, okay, it's time for us to talk about this product to our customers. There's so much content that goes into that. There's so much education that goes into that. It's not easy to just turn around and replicate it and have a good experience. And we are always trying to top ourselves um, and that's why I say, you know, it's all about staying in our own lane. I remember when I first started, um, there was another uh, sort of men's focused razor company that was a startup as well. And um, I reached out and I was just like, hey, you know, like how, like, you know, like how do you sort of go about building the business and like, what do you think? And how did you end up like raising capital and so on? And he was like, yeah, you know, I could talk to you, but I just want to let you know that um, we might be doing a women's razor at some point down the line. So you should be aware that, you know, um, you know, I'm not like copying you or anything or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, that's nice. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to be scared off by that at all. I'm not going to be scared off by anyone. Um, it's about us sort of just doubling down on, on what we know is right for us. Well, I think that's such a great point that I think everybody has to remember. I think it's so easy to build a business and do things from a place of fear of, is somebody going to rip this off or is this going to happen? And obviously things are going to happen, but 
living and operating from that place is only going to get you so far. Like you have to be able to like, I always feel like you have to come from this place of possibility and focus on you being the best. And again, like create, like you said, like creating the content, like I just saw this rebrand that you did, which we'll talk about, but like, that's something that like, I don't know, I don't see Bic doing right. Like you're staying in what, what you want to be and what you want to share. And I just feel as though, again, fear is always going to come up and competitors quote unquote are going to happen. But the only thing that we can control are the things that we have control over. And that's building a really good brand and a really good product. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, like, you know, anyone who's primarily focused on men, for example, or anyone who's selling a different type of product, like, honestly, if you're chasing after us, you're not paying much attention to your own business because we, you know, we have a very specific conversation we need to have. And I think um, other people do as well. So I'm curious about, so again, if we talk about like whatever, a $1.99 Bic razor, right? Obviously there's a really big difference between that and you. And it's funny because, I mean, we see this in every industry in the world. There's the Hyundais and there's the Mercedes Benzes of the, I don't know the plural of that, of the, the Mercedes of the world, right? But I know from working with so many female entrepreneurs, pricing and feeling as though, is there a market for this product or are people really going to pay $75 for a razor? Those are things that come up. And so I would just love to hear a little bit about like, again, the, the, the combination of guts and insanity that went into saying like, no, I'm going to sell a $75 razor and it's going to be the best damn razor you've ever seen. Like, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because like $75 actually still isn't the price that it should be. And so pricing is like a really funny thing as a business, you know, you have to think, of course, there's your margin, but also like, is it accessible um, to a certain level? And, and basically what our razors cost us to make um, because of the, the manufacturers that we work with, they're smaller, everything is like touched by hand. There's like a few people looking over it and then we have access to like all these engineers and just the entire process. It's not a razor that we can retail for $25 or something that you might find on Amazon. So some of the education we've been doing recently actually is a little bit around that um, as well and i think we just think really about our end consumer and what she cares about and we found that um you know we have that customer who is she cares about the sustainability of a product she cares about the um sort of cradle to grave process of a product not necessarily meaning that it's a product that is no waste whatsoever but you know she wants to know that this was actually made fairly and this was made, you know, in the best way possible. And then on top of it, it was well designed and well thought out and all of those things go into the price point. Um, and I think that is reflective across all of our products. Um, and so we just really double down on that and we double down on the education around it. Um, but I'm not going to lie, that's probably one of the hardest things for us to do. Um, I literally had a friend email um, this morning and she's like $65 for a shave gel <laughs> she's like I, you know is there any way that like you can think about lowering that price and you know I was just like I I can't because guess what the oil that we use in it costs 2,000 a, a kilogram 
And we have made that choice because we've made a promise to our customers that we're going to provide you the absolute best product that we can for your skin. And so our conversation always starts with efficacy. That's what our customer pays for. They pay for something that works. Um, and, and I think like that's probably the most frustrating thing is when you pay and you find that the product doesn't work and it doesn't you know, live up to its standards, um, that's when it's actually really, really frustrating. And so anything that we do starts from efficacy first. And then from there, we add on really good design. Um, but it's you, it's very rare that like our customers are paying for, you know, you're not paying for like a rose gold coating or anything like that. It's really the process of having this made by craftsmen who have been doing it, craftsmen and women actually, who have been doing it for the last, uh, you know, like 30 years of their lives dedicated to this one manufacturer that has been making that in this little town in Germany. Um, and, and we just try to spread that story because I think at the end of the day, I really think that, you know, as, as my PR rep said to me yesterday, we were out doing press interviews or whatever. And she said, you know what, Karen, inexpensive is very expensive. And mm -hmm. that's a really good way of putting it. So not gonna lie, price is always a struggle for us. Um, and sometimes I wanna be like, ah, why can't we just build the La Mer you know, <laughs> of the world and be like as high priced as them and get away with it. But I, it's more about us wanting to remain accessible. I know accessible is relative. And so instead of thinking about the opposite of that and, and sort of being defensive all the time. I really always try to think about how we can be positive and, and really just spread the word about why we are, how we are, and who we are. Well, I think it's such a, it's another example of staying in your own lane, right? Because it's like, I always say this to clients, but like you have to, we, we create something and we have to be laser focused on who that who we're trying to market to. And for me, like this product, this is for somebody who, again, like if I'm using myself as a perfect example, like this is something I've struggled with for so long and $75 to fix that problem is nothing. I will pay you that 20 times over to really help me. And so I, again, I'm always reminding people that I feel like people will pay for what is a priority to them. And I'm and sure there might be some doubt. Is this actually going to work? Or, you know, you might have those moments, but I think it's like you said, it's such a big part of like, it's education. And I, I do like to believe that like, again, there are going to be people who don't understand why a Hyundai isn't the same price as the Mercedes, but then there are going to be people who want the Mercedes and want the best of the best. And we like, you know, it can be, I'm sure emotionally triggering sometimes when you hear that, like, I know I feel triggered sometimes when people question my pricing, but it still comes back to like, no, the, per the right person doesn't even question this. Or if they question it, it's for a moment and they understand here's all that goes into it and here's why it costs what it costs. And so again, remembering that person. Right, right. And it's our responsibility. Anytime I do hear people say that, I'm like, okay, then we must be missing uh, a, a piece in the funnel where we haven't filled in the information, where we haven't given you the right content to help you understand that. And like literally with our rebrand, you know, on our blog, we put up the anatomy of a razor where we've broken down how it's made. Um, you know, we, um, 
you know, just like have started doing more education around the process that we can easily point people to. And the first thing I say to everyone is you've got choices. You literally, that's, and it's perfectly fine. We all have choices and you're going to make the choice on what you think works best for you. Um, if you're considering us, yeah, then I'm going to tell you as much as I can and educate you as much as I can about it. Um, but yeah, totally understanding that people have choices and they may not choose us, but you know, to me, that's like focusing on the, the negative. Like, let's focus on the people who, who do love um, the product. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and again, my whole point in bringing that up is that I, I like that. I like showcasing somebody who owns that. Again, knowing that so many of my listeners, community, whoever, they, they you know, it's something that comes up for them. And I, I like for them to be able to hear from somebody who's doing it and doing it well. Um, so to go back for a second, can you just share with me, because I want to be clear on this. <sighs> The idea, business is born. How long did that take? Like, cause again, I, in a service-based business, I can be like, hey, I have an idea. Want to pay me for it? And like, I can only imagine like freaking creating a razor. Like, I'm just, I'm so curious to hear what that took. Yeah. Um, so before I get into that, I, I had like one last thought about our conversation just now. And sure. just like, I think just like wrap it up, put a bow on it, you know, Think about how many times you've ever heard a man say someone has questioned their pricing and their choices around that, you know, and I think it really comes down to like, whether people are questioning your ability as a female entrepreneur sometimes, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I literally thought about that the other day and I was just like, I'm just going to go out and act like a dude. <laughs> and that's how Roll it's thumb. <laughs> Um, so yeah, idea to, uh, wow, to like final. So the, the, the razor that's on our site now, even though this company was launched in 2015, the razor that's on our site now is the, is like the third iteration. Um, so, you know, I, you remember me saying that, like, I didn't sit around assuming that we could, um, you know, we could like just build a, a razor brand out of nowhere, like never mind just the brand, but like the product in and of itself, like there's no assumption there. Um, what I did want to do though, was actually take time to get a sense of who that customer was um, and understand their journey. And so it took until 2017 actually to launch the razor that we're, we've become known for. Um, and so in 2015, when I sort of had the idea, um, I tried out uh, a single blade razor that I'd sourced from Germany. And I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. And I think I could teach women how to use this. And so I was just like, okay, and maybe I'll sell it too. And so I like, you know, literally put two razors on our site. I started doing some content um, around it and education and so on. I started going out, like meeting some bloggers and chatting with them um, about, you know, just using the product and, um, you know, if, and, and just getting a sense of like on a wider scale outside of my friends and family, like what people were experiencing around shaving and how we could build the products to, to solve it. And what I started finding was that shaving relates so much to confidence. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I don't believe you can tell anyone or, or should tell anyone necessarily to like be confident, but I can actually help you figure out how to use the right tools so that you feel better in your own skin. 
And that's the conversation that I started having. And so for two years, we just sold this other razor and started talking about ways that you could learn how to use it and have a great experience and feel great in your own skin. Um, and then um, around 2016, early 2016 or so, I sort of reached out to those customers. We've had conversations at that point. We did phone interviews, we did surveys and everything. And we had had two razors um, and I had their feedback and experience on using both of those. And I took all of that and things like, um, you know, I worry about how to use it, or I noticed that I got a rash, you know, in this particular area, or the handle fit in my hand like a little bit funny, and I was wondering if there was a longer one. All of those things we took and distilled it down into product design. And so um, when you take that and distill it down into product design, you take, uh, you know, language like, um, I, I was wondering if like a, a you know, if like a longer handle or if there's like this particular length or something like that, like you take it and distill it down into an actual drawing, you know, like a three dimensional drawing. And then you distill that down into a 3D sort of scale and then you test it. And then you take that into like the final, after like a number of tests, you take that into the final thing. And so we took all of that um, and we put their input into the, the rose gold razor that we're known for. Um, and that's pretty much like how we did it. Um, it sounds a lot less complicated <laughs> than it was. <laughs> I imagine. It was, yeah, it was. And then we're actually doing that for another razor we have coming out next year now. And it's just like it, everything that is like you feel like it's a go. And then you turn around and you're like, abort, abort. It's not, it's not go. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a process of working back and forth with our designers um, and and just really using this thing and having other people use it and having our customer advisory board like tested and just you know just refining it until we feel like we have something that is not just another product to put out into the world, but is actually a really stellar. Um, product and design. Feel free to fill me in on this to whatever extent you feel comfortable. And I'd be lying if I said that this was my area of expertise at all. But again, I'm a service-based entrepreneur, right? Starting my business was scary, but it was also not, hey, let's mass create razors and create prototypes and this, that, the other thing. So I'm just so curious about, and again, to whatever extent you feel comfortable, but like, I'm just so curious about the financial piece of it. Like, because again, I, I, my whole goal with this podcast is right. That girl is sitting there like in her cubicle. She has this great idea and I want her to have the guts to do it. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't know, again, like whatever, to whatever extent you should feel like sharing that, like how did that all work and how scary was that? And just a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the very, very beginning, like I was working at um, a major beauty company. Um, I worked there full time um, for a number of years. I didn't leave that position until, gosh, I think like 2016, like towards the end of 2016. Um, and I had been with them for four years. Um, and I literally was, I was filling orders um, in my house <laughs> overnight in between work and sleep and getting up the next morning and taking them to the post office. Um, I started the company with like, maybe by the time we like did photography and web design and ordered a few samples 
like $1,500 or something. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I like to, to, to say that, like, it was a really hard journey. <laughs> yeah. Really, really hard journey um, financially. But I think I did it the right way. And I'm incredibly proud of, of how we did it. Um, so what I did, I kept my full-time job. And I basically maxed out until it got to the point where it felt like I could not do both at the same time. I, I was as tired and as drained as I possibly could, um, could stand it until I was just like, it's time to like move on. And I made sure that I had enough savings to do so. Um, but the, the real thing um, I think was that I made sure that when the business felt like it was going on an upward trajectory, that I, I could see that sustain itself for about six months. And then I was like, okay, I know all the things that I did to get it here. And so, you know, if I can maintain those things and sort of turn the dial on those things, then I know we can continue to grow from there. Um, but all of that really boiled down to at the very beginning, like, can this shit pay my rent? Like, am I still gonna be able to eat? All the nice to haves can go but can I still eat and like maintain my rent? Um, and then in 2016, I believe, 2016 or 17, I'm, all my years are like blending together now, yeah. but I won, um, I won a pitch competition um, and was funded by WeWork. And so I got 180K in funding. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, woohoo, I can actually like really, you know, uh, actually make sure like, you know, the rent is paid or whatever right now. And, and they, it also came with a free year of office space. And that was my first, you know, that was my first big break in all honesty. Um, everything else was just like super small. And I just kept every six, six months, I kept looking at the business in increments of how we were scaling, how we were doing, you know, how we were doing profit wise um, in addition to sales. And if I could afford to do the things that I needed to, like move into a warehouse, for example, and have the product ship from there, um, move to manufacturers instead of like filling every single bottle of oil myself. Um, yeah, and I literally just started your, your typical basement, not basement, garage story or whatever, except I live in Brooklyn, so I don't have a garage. Um, <laughs> and we just scaled up from there and then Late last year, we closed our first um, small round of seed funding, which we used to build out the, the product and the line and the rebrand that you see now. I feel like I just want to remind everybody, I'm probably going to say this every episode, and I'm very sorry if you're getting sick of hearing me say this, but I'm going to keep saying it, that I think so many people, you can look at any brand, whoever it is, oh, here are these pretty rose gold razors, and that seems so glamorous and so whatever, but like, I don't know a single person who's doing this who didn't have the story of like, I worked this after my nine to five job, I didn't know if I could pay my rent for a little while, like I was filling bottles of oil by myself, like that's, I, it's so corny, but I like the quote that like entrepreneur, entrepreneurs live a couple years of their lives. Like most people won't so that they can live the rest of their lives. Like most people can't. Yeah. And it just, it, it is just so true. And again, I just say that for, I know that, I know that when I speak to a lot of women in my community, they have these moments where they feel like everyone's talking about the money they're making or the glam behind entrepreneurship, this, that, the other thing. And, you know, working from the beach in Bali on your laptop and like, sure, those things might happen, but it's not the reality for most people, especially 
especially in the beginning, like you did what you had to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind working from the beach in Bali. No, not mad at that at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. And, and you know, that couple years of discomfort that they talk about, that's really more like 10 years, you know, as a friend uh, said to me a few years ago, and I always go back to this, she said, it takes about 10 years to become an overnight sensation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that is exactly what it looks like on the other end. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about just the rebrand. Obviously, I like I looked at the web. I went to you know I'm doing my research as the podcaster, and I looked at. It, I'm like, wait, this is a different website. And I just I was reading through a little bit of it, and it goes back to a little bit of what you were talking about before. Where like, okay, you have the you know you have the brand vision. You want to make people feel as though this thing is going to make them confident, but also as the new branding you're talking about, but not from the place of like, you're not this and kind of making people feel as though they're not enough, which is what we see so often in the beauty industry. And so I would just love for you to share more of your vision for that and why that occurred, all that. Yeah. So, um, when I started, um, like sort of concepting We Shave, the, the original name for the brand. Um, I was looking up um, advertisements that were aimed at women shaving. This is all the way from the safety razor, like throughout, um, through, I'd say from like the 50s onward. And these ads were, they were hilarious now, you know, to like look back on them, but they were also really heartbreaking to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, they kind of distilled down to, if you don't shave, you're not lovable. You know, and I was just like, well, that sucks. <laughs> um, and then I started thinking about it. And I was just like, you know, the way we talk to women in order to convince them to buy any sort of beauty, grooming products, whatever, it's all the same. Like, I can't sit there and be like, oh, you know, this is only coming from like razor companies that are like founded by men or whatever. Um, These are products, you know, well-known and well-loved products that uh, have been around for decades in the beauty industry. Um, And everything is talking about like how you can be perfect and how you can be flawless and, you know, how you're not allowed, you don't have to age and all of this. And I just kind of feel like, it's 2019, we're ready for a different conversation. And we're kind of having a little bit of a different conversation, but I felt like we were skirting the, the, the bush a little bit there. No pun intended. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about like the things that we're doing now for more internal health and wellness. And there are apps for meditation and we're eating better and we're more focused on our food and our ingredients. And the clean industry beauty is like, basically, you know, the, the art, sorry, the clean beauty industry is like top search now. And like, you know, um, companies like Sephora are literally like making so much room for clean beauty. And so we are talking about the things that matter more but my husband and I have this saying where we're like, are you talking about the fire or are you talking about the smoke? And it felt like everyone has been talking about the smoke, you know? If you are going to like drink a green smoothie and make sure that you are, you know, sustaining and fueling yourself in the right way and you're using only 100% natural products on your face and paying more for green beauty, why would you be paying for something that tells you you're going to be flawless, you know? Um, and I just felt like it was time for us as a brand to own up 
to something um, and to really stand for something. And for me, I wanted to stand for language and I wanted to stand for um, really owning that conversation because we, we've been very cognizant of it from the beginning. Even as a razor company, I've made sure we never told women that they need to shave. I made sure we never use the words empowering, which I hate that word. Never use that kind of word with regards to our customers and our razor. These are, these are your choices and you are free to make them. Um, but I didn't feel like we needed to be yet another company that adopted these sort of rote um, very boring words that no one even gave any thought about anymore. Um, I don't feel like we need to tell you that you need to be perfect. You are perfect as you are. If you happen to suffer from uh, inflammation after shaving, then we've got really good products for you, but they're not going to make you perfect. And that shouldn't be anything that we're in pursuit of. Did that feel scary for you, especially again, I, you know, as a coach, right. It so often feels like it's just my job to say what's on my mind, to say what's on my heart, all those kind of things. Whereas, I mean, I think it's, I think a lot of industries are changing in that we're seeing more personality, but still, it's still not the norm for like a razor company or any company to be really coming out and saying things like this and sharing from the perspective of like, like you shared about how like you weren't allowed to have uh, like beauty magazines in the house when you were younger. Like that's not the norm. So like, was that scary? Were you afraid of any sort of pushback or like anything like that? Yeah, it was definitely scary. Um, I'm such an intro introvert. <laughs> and so that's always, that kind of thing is always terrifying anyway. Um, but, um, you know, I really felt like it needed to be said. And I think that you don't, when we think about being sustainable as a company, I think about that in a few ways. You know, obviously we think about the sustainability of our products. And I think we think about the sustainability of our message. Um, and I think the third way that I really wanted to think about sustainability was, what are we going to get behind as a company for the long term? Um, and to me, that is that language and that's that message. And that's saying that, like, this is the kind of company that I want to be known for. You know, when I was talking about the, the, um, the name for the company to a friend of mine, you know, we started talking about just our experience as women. And she, like, you know, she got teary-eyed when, you know, I literally said, I, I said, I want to make sure if I can, if I can make any sort of change in this world and in this industry, I'd love to make sure that your daughter never has to grow up with people telling her she needs to be perfect and feeling that she needs to be perfect. And I think, you know, it, it moved her and it moved me because it really is something that we have been hearing um, over time as women in, in a myriad of ways, you know, whether it's career advancement and you don't get something, you know, you don't get uh, this particular thing that you've been working towards so hard or for so long or whatever, because, you know, Jack happens to be balls to the wall and like, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, super go-getter and like a real bro or whatever. And he connects with all of the clients. You know what I mean? That's just like, I wish you guys could see her face when she said that with the bro thing. It was <laughs> <laughs> I just think there are so many ways um, that women have been told no. Mm -hmm. And 
um, I was just like, God, on top of it, you know, to be told that you need to be perfect and flawless and that you're not allowed to age. Um, it's really powerful. And I think it has really worn on us um, in a lot of different ways over time. And it's worn on our psyche. And I don't want to be the company uh, that contributes to that anymore. I love that. I appreciate that so much. And I want everybody, again, listening to, you know, I think so many people get into business naturally. Okay, I have this great idea. I hate my nine to five. I'm going to pursue it. This would be awesome, blah, blah, blah. But it's like you also get to have this business with brand, whatever, that fulfills you and is this extension of like what you want to bring into the world and what, what, what you want people to know. Like, it's not just as simple as like, here's my product and that's that you get to, again, just create this brand and create this business that is a full extension of things that are meaningful to you. And again, I just say that because I know, I know a lot of people can get into their business and they're on the hamster wheel every single day and it's okay. You know, as I'm sure you feel sometimes like the emails have to get sent and this stuff, the other thing, right? It's like the day-to-day -day stuff, but like, don't forget to put purpose behind all of this because it can really serve a bigger thing. And who knows how many people with, you know, like with my little podcast, with your little brand, quote unquote, in the, in the grand scheme of the world, right? But like influencing people each and every day is a, is a really big deal. And if you can make them feel something different, um, I think that's the hope is that's why we're all doing this, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and to and just in case I wasn't clear on answering that question, it was fucking terrifying. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying because you you know the other thing too is like um, I think we're all just so skeptical, especially with brands. We're all being like targeted on Facebook by things like you know I literally mention a brand and and near my phone and I turn around and I get served an ad for it. I'm like, hey, you're going to tell me that this isn't listening to me at this point? Come on. Right. Um, disclaimer, if anyone does see a bunch of V-shave ads after this, I apologize. It's not me. It's Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> blame, blame Zuck. It's not our fault. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, so it, it's a terrifying um, process because it's hard to get across um, I think how authentic we are in it and how purposeful we are in every single thing. We don't buy the cheapest packaging. We, we don't, you know, skimp on our ingredients. Um, we put our manufacturer to the test. If anything has gone, you know, not up to par with our razors, we have literally gone back to this manufacturer and said, we know you've been doing it this way for a hundred years, but this is the first time we're doing this, so we're going to ask you to do it our way. Um, and it's hard, and there's a lot of pushback on the other side. You know, when we say we want to create a gel, shave gel to milk, and we want to use it to solve this particular problem, and, um, you know, it comes back, and the factory that we're working with hires real people who, you know, fill everything. Not, it's not all done by machines and they're actually all paid not just a fair wage, they're actually paid a living wage. And then that trickles down into our product and our price. You know, it's, it, it's all of those things are um, a little terrifying 
to put out into the world. And then on top of it, you're going to be like, and by the way, <laughs> mm-hmm. you think you're good as you are and you don't need to be perfect. You know? um, yeah, it's all terrifying. But I have to tell you in the 24 to 48 hours or so since we've launched, the feedback has been absolutely amazing. And it's, of course it is. I mean, you're always going to get the assholes, right? But it's also like, who could really argue with this? Like, who could, who could, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know there are people, but like, again, like who can argue with like, it just, it feels to me like so clearly like good, like there's good intentions there. So it's always like, again, like it's hopefully something you can get that people can get behind, but it's also like, I don't know. I, I like to just remember that there are always going to be assholes and it is what it is. And if they, they feel a certain way, whatever, but I want to get on my soapbox for just one second with what you just said about talking about, okay, if there's something wrong with your product, we go to, you know, we go head to head with the manufacturer, this, that, the other thing, this is why you're paying for a 70 something dollar razor, a reminder here, because nobody's no like you get what you pay for and i'm only i said the soapbox thing because it's so funny to me when i will hear especially entrepreneurs ever say something about pricing or ever it's funny like again i sell online and then like when when somebody pushes back when i'm selling and i'm like what don't you get like i'm a business owner of course i'm selling to you and so i just say that because if like obviously we can't talk to the whole world right now, right? But especially as entrepreneurs, I want you to, maybe the next time you see something and you don't understand why it's priced, what it is, remember what Karen's sharing here. Remember that like, for the most part, not all of, not every business, of course, but like for the most part, like these are the things that go behind that. And that's why it's priced the way that it is. And again, there's that market out there. I, I want that. I want that company who is going to care deeply. And, you know, like you said, like, they're doing the things by hand versus the machines. Like I I enjoy paying more for that experience. And I think it's just, I want everyone to remember that versus seeing it as like, we're not comparing apples to apples here. If we're looking at a dollar thing and a $75 thing, it's not the same thing. And as us as entrepreneurs, we need to be the lead of understanding that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we also need to understand the long game. You've got to understand where you are. So our $75 razor that lasts a long time, we're going to get some heat for that, right? Because the average, you know, is, I think it's like $6 or something. The average, like you might, might pay for like a regular, like non-fancy fandangled razor or whatever. Um, but, you know, no one really complains about a one ounce $75 face cream. And so it really just boils down to what we have been conditioned to understand as valuable or not. Um, and some of it is on us and some of it is just like, listen, we're not going to win the whole world. So we're not, let's focus on the people that we can and the people that actually give a shit. Um, yeah, but it's it, so much of it is really um, conditioning and kind of like understanding that and, and getting through it. And like I said, Next time, go ask your male entrepreneur friends when the last time was that someone told them that their products were too pricey. I will bet you anything that occurs more with women than it does with men. And, or if it does happen to them, they don't care. I, I, there's this video that I love um, of Denise Duffield Thomas. And she says like, okay, here's an experience of like a woman selling, for example. And she's like, do you want this thing? it's the perfect color. It's just like, like, do you want it? Do you want it in blue? Do you want it? Like, like asking a million questions and like the guy's like, here, do you want this? Like, it's so much more like, just like, like emotionless in a lot of cases. So 
I, yeah, I agree with you that like it's questioned less, but it's also like, let's fucking be bosses about it and be like, this is what it costs and own it. And that's all there is to it. And we don't have to be emotional about it. I love that. So share with us just what is next for the overall brand? Like, what is your next vision? What comes next for we, we the people? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, the, the, the rebrand was probably the biggest undertaking. Um, oh, for, I bet. You know, yeah. Whether from like the name and trademarking and just like working through the timing and everything, um, taking a lot of bets before things even fell into place. That was actually really, really tough this year and, and really impacted our timing um, a lot. And so for us, the next things are, you know, we really think so much about filling in the gaps where our customers tell us they need things. And a lot of times, you know, a customer might not be able to say, um, I need, um, you know, this uh, bikini sheet mask thing, you know, whatever, like some of the, the products that we've kind of launched this year. It's about us getting to know them and working backwards from that and, and understanding like, okay, well, if they're dealing with this, okay, so they're telling me that they are, you know, getting um, ingrown hairs in the bikini area, for example, like, so this is actually what's impacting that and this is what they need to know to do it and then we work our way back into that for um our new products and so we've got a beautiful beautiful roadmap ahead of some fat fantastic products that we're just gonna you know that are just gonna be basically designed by and with our customers um and i think from here and out of the rebrand is out of the way it's about just spreading that message and continuing to do what we do well which is make top-notch products um yeah and just continuing to grow from there I think that's such an important thing for everyone to remember here because I think it's very easy to be like, what's next? What's next? And not that, not that what you're doing is not, here's what comes next, but it's also, it feels to me like it's not looking outwards. It's looking inwards. It's like, here are the people who are already buying and loving our brand. Here are the people who understand what we're doing here. And like, let's create more for them versus feeling as though we need to reinvent the wheel, which is, I think, obviously just the smart way to go. But again, I feel, I see a lot of people not see it or believe or feel it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, sometimes I think it's the entrepreneur's curse, right? I was talking to some friends about this, you know, who are entrepreneurs or have been entrepreneurs at a certain point. And, you know, we kind of um, can sometimes get into this thing where we're like, you know, um, what's, what's the next big thing? And like, oh, okay, I did that. And it's like a high, right? Like every time our, we are trained to be on highs and lows, you know, like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I, we are amazing people, seriously, like to, to choose yeah. to do this with your life. You're actually pretty amazing because that means that from like 10 o'clock in the morning to five o'clock, in the evening, you have experienced 20 different emotional shifts <laughs> throughout the day. You think you're amazing. You think you suck. You think your product's great. You think it's terrible. And 500 people have told you no in between those times. And you still get up the next morning and do that shit again. Um, Hell yeah. And so I think often we, when we are like flush with the, like the adrenaline from executing on something really well, you kind of like you're, you want more of that you know, and like all the kudos are coming in and you're like, yes, on to the next thing. Um, but I think it's just going back to that lane thing and being like, all right, we can breathe easy now. We got it. Our next job is to make some incredible products, sell the incredible products that we have already made, wash, rinse, repeat. 
I love that so much. And you guys can't see me, but I'm like shaking my head vigorously because I, I agree so much with, especially with the, I think I'm going to be a billionaire in five minutes. And then, you know, an hour later, I think I can't spend a dollar on something. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so up and down. But one of my coaches likes to say that like, stop believing that what got you here won't get you there. And like you said, so many of us are just chasing that adrenaline sometimes, and it doesn't have to be, let's reinvent the wheel. Like, it can be if that's something that excites you and whatever it is, but it's also like, let's, let's build really good, sustainable businesses that serve the people versus feeling as though, again, it has to be complicated and wacky and, you know, like you said, rinse and repeat, it can, it can be that simple. Um, Awesome. So I loved having you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. Let everybody know where they can connect with you. Yeah. So we are uh, wethepeople.com and that's O-U-I because we always made sure to say yes to women. So it's O-U-I, thepeople.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at um, we the people. And if you ever want to follow my entrepreneurial journey, that's I make sure to be very transparent on Instagram. So I'm there too. Awesome. Thank you so much again. I, I love chatting with you and I really appreciate you being here. Thanks, Sarah. It was great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.